0: By the Triad, it feels good to be out of that uniform. God, what a what a day!
1: Tell me about it.
0: I mean, you think the poison that had that many warding labels would work just a little bit faster?
1: I know. It was like an hour of screaming, and most of them only stopped once they puked up their intestines.
0: I saw a woman strangle her own kid to stop him from suffering. It's just, it's fucked up, man. Yeah. All in a day's work, though. I mean, another glorious day in this man's empire. Orders is orders. So, uh, what are your plans for leave? Yeah, I'm just looking unwind, you know, get some entertainment, you know, just have some fun with the family.
1: Got any, uh, got any suggestions? Eh, yeah, we already burned down most of the fun stuff. Tell me, are, are you a fan of opera?
0: <sighs> no. Uh, well, shit. I mean, what are you going to do?
1: I got a girl back home, in Jador, going to propose.
0: Oh that chicken runs the item shop? No. No, oh, oh she's probably the that one broad who spends all day walking around warning people about the haunted cave.
1: No, not not her. Well,
0: you're you're lying then. There are no other women in Jadur.
1: No, 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 she exists. She's real. I mean she she just spends a lot of time outside town walking around.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. Out there with the giant face monsters and the umbrella skeletons. Psst. Yeah, I'm sure they're the best of friends. Come on man, you don't have to front with me.
1: Okay, well, listen, don't be mad. I I had to lie and it's just because i'm too much of a coward to say it i mean i wasn't gonna do this now but here goes be brave
0: be brave ah oh, jeez, what i wouldn't give for a convenient interruption right about now what
1: the, the hell cell said
0: we'd find the empire's plan somewhere in this base
1: oh look we've got company
0: uh listen i've got i've got
1: a family and- <laughs> i'm gonna enjoy this oh come on my atb is only half full don't do this Oh my God! There's fire everywhere. He's burning us with karate. My eyes! Tell little Carly I love her. Oh, I
0: always wanted to be. Ah!
1: <coughs> hey, all right. I'm gonna farm these Imperial fuckers for AP. You guys go ahead and get them plans. Oh, and uh, I might do the Rising Phoenix move some more. So uh, watch out for fireballs. <laughs>
0: This is a real quick disclaimer. Some ghosts got into my computer and messed up Gary's side of the recording for this episode. It's a little bit clippy, a little bit too loud. Did the best that I could. It should be listenable. I will not discourage you from continuing to listen. But just know it's not quite up to the quality that we normally like to do. But um, we don't want to re-record it. So please enjoy and uh, the next episode will be uh, better and it will never happen again.
1: Thank you. This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro video games podcast. And this episode, we're talking about Final Fantasy VI.
0: Specifically, the first half of Final Fantasy VI.
1: That's correct. Uh, This episode, we're talking about the world of balance, the first half of the game. And in two weeks' time, you can hear us talk about the world of ruin.
0: Now, Final Fantasy VI was originally released uh, over here in the States as Final Fantasy III, um in nineteen ninety four, April of nineteen ninety-four, uh, to be specific. It was developed by uh Square for the Super Nintendo.
1: Right. And this is this is kind of like the platonic ideal or or the picture in the encyclopedia, if you look up Japanese RPG, 16-bit. And this is it really kind of hits all the hallmarks. Uh you know, random turn-based battles. It's 2D, it's got Dungeon and Town exploration, and it's got a real heavy narrative focus. There are a lot of cutscenes and conversations.
0: Role-playing game, comma, Japanese.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. The...
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, the game is notable for having bunches and bunches of players, uh, playable characters, rather. More, uh, more characters than The Stand, folks. <laughs> uh <laughs> the most of any uh, main game in the series in fact i think it's only uh, potentially toppled by final fantasy for the after years or maybe final fantasy tactics i'm not sure which um right but uh, final
1: fantasy tactics probably has about as many just but, about
0: yeah but uh, what's pretty cool is that each of these characters has a, uh, a unique ability uh, as well as a pretty uh, distinct personality from everybody else. But they can all be uh, customized to a certain degree by using um, espers, who are uh, magical demigod-like creatures that grant uh, spells and stat modifiers for having them equipped during a battle.
1: This game's title and number were altered for the North American release due to Square having not released Final Fantasy three or five here. So uh, this is a-, a source of confusion um, so in the United States, it jumps from two to three, which is really four to six. And then, you know, there's a conversion chart somewhere. But, it uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's mostly widely known at this point by by yeah. Final Fantasy VI. Uh,
0: the subsequent re- re-releases have made that pretty clear. So if you're going to write a webcomic using this as a premise for a joke, uh, you have been roundly uh, beaten <laughs> to the punch here.
1: By, by, by like 10 years. <laughs> by so, about. Just yeah, a, so-
0: Final Fantasy games are pretty much... Defined by who worked on them. You know, if you know anything about the series, this next paragraph is going to mean something to you. If you don't know, it's going to sound like a lot of uh, ping pong Japanese names. But uh, Final Fantasy VI was directed by Hironobu uh, Sakaguchi until he had to step down uh, due to other commitments. Uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi is considered the grandfather of Final Fantasy and he's kind of been the guiding. Uh, visionary behind the entire series. Uh, Yoshinori Kitase, he stepped up uh, to head the project after that, and he really had a a strong hand in it. Uh, The gameplay design was done by Hiroyuki Ito, um, and the visual design was handled by uh, Yoshitaka Amano, uh, which is great because uh, that other talentless guy whose name i forget yeah. who does kingdom hearts right now and adds a bunch of belts and uh yeah. zippers to everything i don't like him <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like it's a it's like a 1992 x-force comic like everyone walks around <laughs> like like half of cable like <laughs> just, you know
0: you know and, and that's one of those things where i'm kind of ashamed that i have an opinion about this but uh you know Tetsuya nomura or nomura he's uh yeah. he, he really kind of stepped to the forefront and uh Final Fantasy VII, and uh, you can mm. definitely tell when a game is being designed by him because the tone is just really, really weird. Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Amano, uh, he, he's behind this one, and the soundtrack was also done by the, uh, the inimitable, the uh, the indomitable uh, Nobu Wimatsu.
1: Like most uh, of the other Final Fantasy games in this era, Final Fantasy VI has been re-released a whole lot of times. Um, first for the PlayStation, with an updated localization and really, really strenuous loading times, then it came out on the Game Boy Advance with a better localization and additional content. That's the version that we both played for, for this podcast. Um, the original release of Final Fantasy III is available on the Wii Virtual Console, and the PlayStation 1 version is available on the PSN Store.
0: Yeah, so any of those will work, um, depending on what you, your preferred way to play through it. We chose the Game Boy Advance version just because, I mean, at least I did, because portable stuff is really nice. Um, yeah.
1: I, and I love the Game Boy Advance. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited that we're doing pretty much, you know, three episodes in a row <laughs> on, on the Game Boy Advance because it's it's such a attractive, you know, perfect little system. Like I, other than the fact that it lacks a headphone jack, I think it's pretty much perfect.
0: It's a, it's the best uh, industrial design Nintendo's ever done, I think, aside from the GameCube controller. But those are entirely different things. <laughs> <laughs> entirely different topic. We should do a yeah. we should do a hardware episode if we're if we're hard up for a uh, uh, for a topic.
1: That would be. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll file that away. <laughs> yes, we will. Do you want to talk a little bit about the plot? Cool. So being that this is
0: a gigantic JRPG, um, we're going to cut this plot off about halfway through, um, just because it really does feel like two games that are kind of nudged up against each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But the game opens up with a really, really distinctive scene, um, uh, three pieces of walking Metal Gear armor, you know, going through the snow you know it's mm-hmm. a dusk you know one of them is a mysterious woman named Terra, who uh, is an agent of an you know of an evil empire that is you know plotting conquest against uh, pretty much the entire world and they are laying siege to a town called narch uh which uh, apparently contains a fossilized esper which is a creature of immense magical power and you know this it, it pretty much echoes the opening scene to final fantasy 4 you know the, the the innocent town which is being overtaken by a by an imperial co- you know colonizing force but uh like that one this one too ends in catastrophe and uh terra is knocked out and uh the mind control that the empire has laid over her is uh, is ruined
1: right right and when when she wakes up she she has you know she has no memory because of this mind control um it's kind of left her amnesiac but she knows that she can cast spells and uh she's recruited into something called the returners this is the the rebel faction Again, you know, shades of, of other Final Fantasies. It's a little bit similar to, to Avalanche and Final Fantasy VII. Um, I guess it's a future shade, foreshadowing Final Fantasy VII has a shade of this. I don't know, <laughs> but it's kind of a repeating theme. Um, and this rebel group is, you know, opposes the Empire and it's in search for conquest and it's it's abuse of the Espers and, and magicite, which is what the Espers turn into when they die. It's how you get magic as a as a regular person. And uh, because Terra is going to act as their ace in the hole. They start to make their move.
0: What results is, is really a Final Fantasy game. Mm. <laughs> um, you trek across the globe uh, collecting sympathizers um, and defectors from the Empire as uh, the Empire's generals. They, they kind of go around committing atrocities across the land. Uh, the key culprit here, one of the people that you're really fighting against, is the apparently insane clown uh, named Kefka. Uh nary another insane clown to be found, so uh the posse hasn't assembled yet
1: <laughs> right right he's a, he's in some ways a little bit less scary than the actual insane clown posse <laughs> um, and 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 in some way less detrimental however I, I do think that if violent uh shaggy were to be put into a position of real power, um uh, we might have another doma on our hands <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> um oh god, Kefka's a son of a bitch.
1: We'll, yeah, we'll, kind
0: of, we'll get to that like,
1: yeah yes. we'll, we'll talk about that and especially in the kind of the strengths and weaknesses because I think he's really tied into one of the better strengths of this game as well yeah. mm-hmm. um, so eventually uh, Tara kind of discovers that she's half an esper and the team attempts to recruit the other Espers on their side by opening a gate between the two worlds uh, what results is a whole you know horrible destruction of the Empire as the Espers seek revenge for having their powers exploited.
0: And, you know, this kind of gets into the final act, but there's a lot of uh, political intrigue as uh, thing. You know things are wont to get in a Final Fantasy game. The Emperor, he apparently tricks the Returners into thinking that he's going to end the war after his uh, capital city is laid to waste by the Espers. Uh, but instead, Kefka begins committing genocide against them, turning them uh, into magicite, uh, which can be used to grant magical powers to humans, as we said. Uh, in response, the sealed continent of the Espers uh, breaks free from the earth and begins to float in the sky.
1: Right, and, and Kefka, Kefka and the Emperor uh, head there to harness the power of the Warring Triad. These are the petrified remains of the old gods of magic. Um, the team arrives just in time to see Kafka murder the Emperor and throw the statues out of alignment, harnessing their power and bringing ruin to the world. And that's as far as we're going with A- this episode. End scene. End and scene for, for this one.
0: So the game opens up with you playing as Terra, um, actually laying siege to the town of Narsh.
1: Right. This is when you're you're first controlling Terra, and you are getting your bearings. Um, it's a classic like Final Fantasy boss. You know, don't attack when the shell is up; attack when the shell is down. Um, what's kind of really interesting about this part is you you uh, you're in these Majinaka armors, which are really powerful, and you're not going to get access to these very often in the game. It's kind of neat, and and eventually, uh, just kind of through happenstance, you, you fall through a pit in the floor. And end up at the first kind of real like gameplay twist in the game, which is this this kind of uh real time strategy segment, yeah,
0: and it's good because this isn't a wasted opportunity this this comes up in a very uh in a very real way a little bit later. But uh, it's a it's a nice way to um, introduce you to the the party splitting mechanic that uh, that is really really instrumental in the in the later part of the game.
1: And this is also where you're introduced to uh, one of the you know the the main characters. I mean, I say main character. I, I use that with a lowercase m because one of the yeah. things this game does is that you know it's really an ensemble. Like there are many characters. You can argue that this is their story, um, which is really neat you know I I you know I don't know of another game that quite does that. It's a really
0: brave choice and I think that Terra is cast as the uh as the main character at least at this at the start of this because she really is the uh, the player's surrogate Mm, because right, she, she has is amnesia. amnesiac, everybody is explaining something to her, and thus to the character, uh, thus to the player th- th- themselves. So a lot of people they, they identify with Terra, um, and I, I think maybe Tara and Cells are the are the first and possibly only female main characters. Again, lowercase M, lowercase C, mm. uh, that uh, that were uh, put forward by the Final Fantasy series. Everybody else has been a, a very androgynous male.
1: Right, right. They, they really tried to to have their cake and eat it too, with the genders of their their characters. Other than this game, exactly. Um, what's but, really interesting, or too, when you when you talk about um, uh, her her having amnesia and, and having all the characters explain that to her, you know, that's a a real kind of hacky premise in most forms of media. You know, you have the character be amnesiac, so you can get away with exposition. But video games have been doing this for like fourteen years at this point, and just not doing anything about it. This is. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of a a hacky trope, but, you know, this game actually has like an in-game explanation for why everyone's just explaining things you should already know, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that's maybe the first time I've seen that. So even though the explanation is a little bit uh, thin and unsatisfying by narrative standards, by video game standards, it's actually really advanced.
0: Oh, yeah, it's part of the it's part of the uh, the double standard really <laughs> for video, mm, right. that's games for you yeah. but uh <laughs> what's not objectively terrible you know is is lock really the, the 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 character who you know kind of takes terra under under his wing um just because he has a complex about protecting women
1: right and and with Locke, um you know the the characters you you head out to to figaro castle and you meet the you know the next kind of main character in the game which is edgar uh who is the the king of figaro and South figaro he's kind of like a uh lecherous, um, inventor King <laughs> kind of steampunk. Yeah. I, what was it? I on,
0: was it on Facebook or, uh, did, did you write this in a toot where you compared him to, uh, to final fantasy six Steve jobs.
1: Yeah. He's the Steve jobs of final fantasy, final fantasy world. <laughs> he's, he's inventing all this, you know, uh, all this machinery and tools. And he has this castle that can burrow underground. You know, really only, <laughs> only <laughs> if, if they happen to be threatened by the empire is the only time they're really going to need this. Yeah. And, uh, and it and it happens. Oh
0: yes, yeah. it does. Yeah, uh, it, it happens as the empire uh, kind of descends down from Narsh, uh, looking for these uh, these returners uh, that got away with their precious uh, their precious precious witch.
1: Right, right, and and you know this is uh you know as as you're being being introduced to these characters, like the the pacing of the, of this part of the game is really good. I feel like like um you know the amount of time you spend is kind of walking around doing random battles to kind of big epic plot chunks is really, really appropriate, you know, for this first part of the game. I feel like it sags a little bit later. But at this point, you know, I remember when I first saw, you know, the castle sink under the ground, and and you make an escape, you jump off a, a tower onto, onto Chocobos that are, uh, you know, like a, like an old cowboy movie. And it's just, the, you know, the music's really triumphant, and... Uh, you know, it's it's really it's it's sets this tone of like high adventure, and
0: and it's and it's satisfying even in light of the fact that they're telling it through these little sprites, these little sixteen by thirty two sprites. You know, right. the, These things that are moving up and down, it really really stretches the limits of of how you can tell a story
1: like that, but it does it so well. Right? The sprites are really expressive. They they have a lot of little, uh, kind of uh, you know, in an MMO they'd be like slash dance or <laughs> you know slash laugh or something like that. Like they just have these little. Uh, you know mime these little actions um you know the, the, my favorite one is the finger wag yeah <laughs> that they do like that's always so great, you know really good like that's always perfect like no 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 you know they do this little <laughs> finger wag that just comes up and it's it's really good
0: it's a, it's a, it's a distinctively anime type uh, type gesture for somebody to do but uh, it really mm-hmm. does fit in because they choreograph it so well the way that they have things uh staged and blocked and uh, and timed out is uh, is great honestly right um, but this is also where you get introduced to Kefka.
1: Right, right. Kefka comes comes a knocking uh, on the castle door. He's, he's leading up the Imperial Party that's trying to get a hold of, of Terra. And when, when you first saw so what, I can't transport myself back to when I was, you know, first played this game. Did you ever question that, like, there's, like, this Harlequin that's leading an army?
0: I was pretty familiar with Final Fantasy by the time that I really dug into this one, so I didn't really question it. Honestly, I kind of thought that he was going to be a mid-boss. Mm. that he was going to be just this servant of the empire. You know, he, he kind of has like, at this point, all of the classic like embellishments of somebody who thinks that he's, you know, more powerful than he is. And he's bossing these people around. And it's like, Oh, he's going to, he's, he's the person I'm going to take out about a quarter of the way through the game. And then the real threat is going to show up.
1: Right. Right. I, you know, that, that's probably, you know what, and that's what makes sense to, on this recent playthrough. You know, if I, if I try to, to come at it fresh, um, it doesn't really seem like this guy is going to be as big a heavy as he is, especially in this scene where you pretty much just kind of fool him, you know, by <laughs> by you juke him and, and jump off the, the thing and escape.
0: And just they, they they slowly build him up to the point where I think, you know, his is kind of a
1: God, I hate using the TV tropes phrase, but it's eh. so right.
0: The moral event horizon, just the point where it's like, oh, this dude is a serious fucker. He means business. Right. Um, but but right now he he definitely is firmly in the trench of like the jokey mini boss type guy.
1: right? <clears throat> right. He's kind of a boss hog. <laughs> At this point, I'm imagining him just like getting <laughs> down on his knees, <laughs>
0: unsuccessful chase and all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but what's cool about the about the castle sequence? I know we're dwelling on it, but uh, this does encapsulate a lot of what's really cool, um, if it wasn't apparent in Narsh, um this really makes it uh, pretty clear as well. This gigantic, you know, stone castle that through you know sheer technology alone can burrow through the sand. This is a steampunk setting.
1: Right, right. And this is the first time that uh, Final Fantasy games had deviated from kind of the classic Dungeons & Dragons, swords and sorcery. So this is, this is a game in which, you know, especially when you get Edgar, it really underlines this. Um, he's the most powerful person in your party, and it's not because, you know, you have somebody there who can do magic. But he has all these little devices he's created, like a, a machine gun crossbow and a, and a, um, a thing that spreads poison, um, you know. And, so, and it really does kind of show you that technology is going to be very important to this game. And very important in this world and that's awesome like that was really the first time i had seen that mix
0: wait a minute we're all we're, we're being down on kefka for for, for committing biological <laughs> warfare and Edgar's running around he invented he invented the bioblaster
1: the thing that, <laughs> <laughs> that brought biological warfare home and made, made it easy and made you didn't buy one from south figaro <laughs> and any 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 kid who who scrapes together 600 gill can can buy himself a bio blaster. It's a good thing there's only ten kids in the world. Cause, cause I know, right? Yeah. Oh man. I'm kind of kind of moving on. Um, you know, you you are going to go meet the returners. Uh, this group, and you run into uh, Sabin who is who's edgar's brother the cool thing about sabin you know when we talk about everybody has their own little quirk and how they you know their own special ability uh kind of taking a a nice sign of the time sabins all involve street fighter moves (laughs) like you you set him up and then do one of you know the classic like quarter circle or the charge or back forward back or anything and he does his move based on that which is awesome like that that was really uh savvy of the the designers because at the time street fighter was was everything
0: you know (laughs) I was irritated because when you first get Saban, and this this is this is something where we're going to uh, differ a lot, and I think everybody has their own pronunciations. You know, all these games oh. before voice before voice acting, everybody came up with their own. Uh,
1: Can we make an <laughs> agreement? That's fine. Can we make an agreement not to correct one another? Yes. And then it will be fine. So everybody who's listening. You know what we mean. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> the point of the point of language is communication, dicks.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not going to to take this. You know, at, at my age, this far behind Final. <laughs> fantasy six and retrain myself how to say these names exactly so it, i'm gonna say them how i said them when i was was 16 damn it agreed sir yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> but, but but when you first get
0: Saban, um and you're fighting his uh his his uh co-student guy vargas mm-hmm. or whatever his name is um it, it, it says oh no use your special move on me but it doesn't give any explanation of how to do that special move right
1: i think it gives you an explanation but the actual logistics of it aren't clear. Right. Like you have, to, you have to select the move and then you have a little arrow over Sabin and then you do the move, but it makes just as much sense to have it hovering over and then do the move and select it or something like that. It is a little goofy. Yeah. Um, I don't remember how, what I thought of when I first played it, um, going back on it, I just knew. <laughs> you know, a pro tip, um, you don't actually have to do the, the quarter slides or anything like that. Um, any diagonal direction will be accepted as either direction that it's between. So if we're doing a quarter circle to the left, you can do down, down, forward and hit the button and it works just as well. Um, which is really nice on the little Game Boy Advance, uh, D pad.
0: But Saban, he, he really is pretty overpowered. Him and Edgar, they can pretty much win the first half of the game for you. Um, especially, you know, the big complaint that I have about, uh, Final Fantasy turn based, uh, combat is anytime you get into a fight with, you know, let, let's say four or more people, it's like, oh, I'm going to be here for about four hours as I try and whittle everybody <laughs> down. But, uh, Edgar starts out with a, with an attack all. Uh, you know, thing in the auto crossbow, And then Saban, if you level him up enough, he gets this awesome little fire dance move.
1: Right. He doesn't, he doesn't get that for a while actually, but it is nice when you get it. Um, Yeah. You know, the the game is good about that. It does start out though with kind of a slog. I mean, we we probably won't be able to escape just talking about some JRPG downfalls in general. I don't want to spend too much time with that because I feel like we probably touched on a lot of them in uh, the Super Mario RPG episode, but that's definitely the slowness of of the combat is definitely a problem even with those those attack all things i mean just you know grinding you know leveling up random encounters that part of, of these games is, is really hard to justify now that i'm you know my my taste have kind of moved on
0: but uh you get sabin and uh you continue forward to the returners hideout uh where there's more plot exposition as you find out exactly what they're doing um and it becomes even more clear that this is a star wars allegory <laughs>
1: right right and 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 you know so you head up you, you decide that uh uh, you, know, you you need to, where, where are you heading when you could do this river thing? Like, uh, it, so the, this is a neat part where you're, you're heading on a river raft and something goes wrong and your party gets split up. It's really cool, but mm-hmm. I can't remember what you're originally supposed to do.
0: You're originally trying to head back to Narsh because, because the empire has taken over Figaro. Um, and mm. that was where you came from. Um, you're trying to get back to Narsh because they're going to be making kind of an end run towards that to get the Esper. So gotcha. the 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 kind of the the Act One climax of of uh, of you know the first part, the big assault on Narsh. This is the beginning of everybody heading towards there.
1: Right, and on on your way, um, you get attacked by this this octopus called Altros. He's this <laughs> reoccurring. He's actually what you were when you were talking about. We were talking about like the kind of comedy relief villain that maybe. You know, we partially thought Kafka was. Altros is really this. I mean, he he shows up throughout the game. He's a goofy octopus. He makes, like, dumb puns. He's a goofy Uh, little rapey octopus. Yeah, (laughs) he's the old goof and (laughs) rape. It's the the Altros MO. Um, (laughs) um, But, uh, you know, this is a pretty... It's actually kind of a tough little boss fight because you have to keep Bannon alive. So so it's one of those things. And uh, because of that, your party gets split up and you there's no real difference in what order you do the parts. But you do get a choice in what you know, who you follow. And that's really neat. Again, again, you know, first first time I'd seen some of this stuff.
0: And it's not the last time you're going to see it in this game either.
1: Right. They, They do a good job of training you for things they're going to do later.
0: So I don't know what order you did these in. I just went from left to right. (laughs) <laughs> um but again the order you know doesn't really matter, although it's pretty funny how Sabin ends up because he jumps into the water to fight Ultros and gets mm-hmm. you know swept off. That's neat. <laughs> I like those yeah. little character beats. Um but kind of the the, the first one was Edgar, Terra, and Bannon, and that's not really that interesting because they just continue to narsh and then sneak in.
1: Right. It, it's pretty lame. I mean they, they do um one of them is definitely the long one, you know, which is which is the the Sabin one. Um, second, you do lock, and that's kind of interesting. Like he goes into to South Figro, and it's kind of like a stealth. I mean, it's the idea like you're sneaking around. You can steal people's dis- you know, uniforms and use them as a disguise. But the most important thing you do during this is you find uh, Cela's or Seals. Uh, um, and she's you know kind of arguably the you know the second main character. She also has a history with the Empire. She can also use magic, and uh, kind of plot-wise, rather than being a blank slate. She's defected from the Empire.
0: And she you know, I go back and forth on whether or not Cells is, is a is a is an effective character because there there's not an awful lot of characterization for her, aside from the fact that I was in the Empire and I decided not to be in the Empire. They try and make her a little bit interesting interesting later as Kefka tries to say, like,
1: ooh, she was a spy. Ha ha ha. Right but uh, but that's in- like really Kefka being interesting not not her being interesting <laughs> exactly um,
0: but call, but calling her into doubt but uh, the really the, the most inter- interesting thing she does until she attempts suicide um is uh <laughs> be a lover a love interest for Locke
1: right it's just another in the long line of of you know every female in this game Locke, uh, <laughs> Locke develops you know his complex with and right and, and she 's probably the main one,
0: but she's useful too. I like her little unique ability, which is uh to basically she holds her sword up and absorbs any kind of uh, any kind of magic that uh, is cast, even your own. but there are a lot right. of bosses where this can win the game for you
1: what's interesting about that too is it becomes progressively less useful throughout the game as your characters become more dependent on magic so in the first half of the game, it's actually really nice, um, you know especially bosses you know random encounters don't tend to cast spells; they just kind of have spell like abilities. But uh, the second half of the game, you know, I I never, never use it just because I'm, you know, I definitely have a caster on my team and right. she kind of fucks that up.
0: So you get cells and you proceed towards Narsh, the uh, the, the the big climactic, you know, Gondor battle. And then you proceed to uh, switch over to Sabin and find out what he is up to. And this is where you really, really find out what the Empire is up to as well.
1: Right. This is the meatiest part of this little uh, split. Um, you know, you, you head into a, an Imperial camp, uh, you, well, you meet shadow who, who is a, a ninja character, um, who, you know, he's kind of, you don't always have control over when you're going to have him. Um, he kind of comes and goes depending on his, his mood shifts. Um, but he's a really powerful character. Um, and I would have liked to have, you know, just from a gameplay perspective, would have liked to have been able to have access to him the whole first part of the game. He's very useful.
0: I take issue with shadow. <laughs> from, from from uh or you know as, as 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 i as i pronounced him Sh- uh Sh- shadow um yeah. <laughs> no i i take issue with him because because uh you know f- 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 fandoms are interesting things and just you know kind of after the fact which uh which characters kind of take on these kind of memetic you know followings as people go through shadow is really considered to be the ensemble dark horse for this uh for for, for this particular game he doesn't have any personality he does he's he's just i'm a badass mercenary and i come and go as i please damn it
1: yeah i mean like when i would like to have him from a gameplay perspective he's definitely not like a great great character he's just very powerful (laughs) oh i I Um, wasn't calling you out i really was. no i know i know um i also he i mean i guess what what kind of personality you have to have to name your dog interceptor (laughs) that's just fucking rad i I, you know like that, that is a great name for a dog
0: god that dog will rip somebody's throat out
1: yeah it's 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 an amazing dog <laughs> it's the best dog in any game we've played so far <laughs> truly exactly. so, really one of video games greatest dogs
0: <laughs> until we play haunting ground the greatest yeah but uh <laughs> but you get shadow and then you proceed towards the kingdom of doma
1: yeah this is kind of the for a lot of people this is a big turning point and i would say it is as well um you know this is a really dark kind of portion of the game um you know you're in the imperial camp you're you're sneaking around, and uh, they're laying siege to a kingdom called Domo, which is kind of a samurai uh, kingdom. And, uh, you know, Kafka, rather than, you know, having the patience for this long, drawn-out siege, just puts poison in their water supply um, and poisons every man, woman, and child in the castle. Uh, This is important because, for one, this is the first hint that there's any kind of shades of gray in the empire. Um, You're introduced to General Leo who is a good man, you know, basically, and is just a soldier, you know, and tells uh, Kafka not to use the poison and, and trust him for some reason <laughs> and leaves. and Or he gets tricked, right?
0: Kafka says, hey, the emperor wants you.
1: Right. <laughs> this is <laughs> all it takes. So if you, if you want to try to sneak into anywhere in the empire, just you know, tap whoever's on the soldier, hey, the Empire asked for you. <laughs> and then just sneak on in.
0: Hey, he's a good man, but not a smart man. All right. Yeah,
1: he's, well, he, he clearly cuts his own hair. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean... Yeah. For the the uh so that that's important. And then you know, there are lots of soldiers who are kind of sitting around and if you you sneak behind certain bushes you can hear them talking and they're bitching about Kafka. Like, you know, he the, he he's clearly a madman even within that world. And you're introduced to uh who who is you know, is a, a samurai kind of old man character. Um I I like him from a, a character perspective and not so much from a gameplay perspective. Yeah,
0: it's kind of kind of lame.
1: Yeah. But but his family is dead. So he's got that going for him. <laughs> he and uh, he he can't quite you know as you as you're uh now are you looking you're not looking for his family you just happen to come come across the phantom train
0: right, right because you're fleeing through the uh, through the forest of the south
1: right and and you just happen to run into like a ghost train. this is the train that takes people to to the afterworld uh, science family is there and you have this fun little um you know kind of weirdly this part of the game for like being on a ghost train and having his family just recently died is kind of lighthearted. Like, the music, like, the fact that all these, like, ghost butlers around will serve you food. Um, you know, this is where you're introduced to one of the weirdest, like, most obscure characters in the game, which is Siegfried. <laughs> the Master like, Thief. Yeah, the Master Thief, who's 100% ineffective. He just steals from you, but he's he's really weak. Um, Yeah, so it's a really, it's kind of a real, you know, strange part of the game, Totally. Oh, my God, it's a ghost car.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh... <laughs>
0: But, but I just, I, it's it's interesting because the, the implications of this, like that there is an afterlife and that there is a physical train that you can interact with that takes
1: you there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I, you know I, I like traveling by train. I'd rather it's... have it be like a ghost train than a ghost plane or like a ghost, bus. <laughs> yeah, um, ghost just bus. just for my own 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 comfort. <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah. this culminates in in one of the uh, the you know most internet famous parts of this game is that you have to fight the train. Which, like, you know, the the thing it gets all the credit for is that uh, Sabin has a suplex move. So you can do this suplex to a train that that you're (laughs) running away from. Which, as much as it's played out on the internet, I still think that's fucking awesome. Like, I I can can unironically appreciate that. Um, The kind of the hidden thing this introduces, though, that doesn't get as much credit for being innovative, is that if you're smart enough to use a Phoenix down on the train, it is undead. So bringing it back to life actually kills it. And it's a boss battle. You can kind of trick.
0: Which seems like it'd be something that'd be you know would have been a bug, but not really. And uh, it's it, it teaches you to 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 use some kind of logic against the people that you're fighting.
1: Right, and th- it doesn't that doesn't come up a lot. I mean, this is a sixteen R- bit RPG, so most things are just like tap a. Most battles can, can be won that way, but there are a couple of these like, you know, kind of logic bosses and it's really neat when they come up.
0: So after you uh suplex a train into non being. kind of, kinda of seems like a tall tale kind of thing, you know. You know Saban was a mountain of a man. He could
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he does later on he does hold up a house. Oh, that like is true. Name, it's like so it's I don't like... know if you remember that, but he, he is he is kind of a John Henry character. <laughs> it's fucking
0: Samson. Maybe yeah. <laughs> that's where the name comes from.
1: What is it with tall tales and how much they hate trains? <laughs> like <laughs>
0: Oh, man, it's the power of man over machinery, which is which yeah. makes the dichotomy between uh, Sabin and Edgar even more uh, even even more poignant, I'd say.
1: I would I would agree. I think that you should write that paper. <laughs> um. <laughs>
0: um. So after you defeat the uh, the Phantom Train, uh, you are deposited into a place called the Velt.
1: Mm hmm. Yep, and th- this is where you uh, you meet a character named Gao, who in any time I've played this, so for the, for the playthrough for this the show, it's probably the fourth time i played through Final Fantasy VI, fourth or fifth in my life, um, I've never gotten a handle on Gao. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not that interested in his story, like, it's kind of neat, but, like, gameplay-wise, I find him impenetrable. I don't know if you, just, if you had a similar experience, but...
0: I've never used him because I've never been a fan of anything having to do with blue magic. Right, um, um, which is why I never really used Drago uh, <laughs> later, honestly. Um, but just the idea—just so much work to make him useful, to yeah, find he's... the different enemies, and then go get him back on the belt,
1: and then use that, and hope that he maybe chooses the move that you want him to. Right, he's the like—he's—he's got to catch them all. Is his his his, <laughs> his you know? And so, I, and there are a lot of people. He's he's considered to be incredibly broken by people who uh-huh. actually like sit down and try to break Final Fantasy games, and and you know do the best and that's always a funny attitude to me like the people who like you know go and collect everything to do that because it's so powerful because you don't need to at all like the game is not that hard you know so maybe going and collecting all of gau's rages you know gives you this incredible you know swiss army knife of different immunities and abilities and, and special properties and everything but you don't need them you know so i just i don't i'm not that interested in doing that
0: yeah i don't know but it's really funny when he interacts with scion though
1: yeah, he he kind of gives everyone shit. Like he's 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 a little joker, um and Cyan is very serious. So that, that's a fun. There are a lot of little fun scenes with the, with the two of them.
0: But uh, but you know, Gal he has a shiny thing he wants to show you for feeding him beef jerky.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he's a he's a he's a flasher at the bus depot. Like you just like, like give me some beef jerky. I'll show you something shiny. <laughs> <laughs> Never do that voice again. Don't do that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh
0: he takes you uh, and it's a diving helmet, and you travel through the sea uh, to get uh, back to Narsh.
1: Yep. You fight fight random encounters while falling down a waterfall and end up at Narsh. <laughs> so you know they'll, they'll just, just hand wave that. Yep. Um, so everyone's gathered up at Narsh, and you enter this climax of Act One. Um, where it's another uh, RTS sequence. You can create three parties, uh, um, and you can you can choose the makeup of those parties however you like, and then you control them, and you're trying to kind of it's like almost like a board game, like you're trying to block different avenues for the umpire to get through, um, and and split your resources. And the game is it's interesting because at this point, this is when everyone is pretty much even. Later in the game, you'll choose your favorite characters and level those up, and when you have to do these parts. It's really difficult because you have to do, you know, one character who's really good, and then a couple of mid-lane characters with them. In um, this one, though, everyone's pretty much even now.
0: And it's a pretty cool little sequence. The map is, you know, pretty complicated, and if you know how to position your characters, and you know, you have to do this a couple times to figure it out. You can actually make a rush on Kefka and uh, fight him, and when he dies, the you know, the the sequence is over.
1: And it's kind of interesting because this is the first time you see Kefka's kind of battle ability. Um, you, you fight him in his, his boss sprite mode. And uh, he's actually pretty tough, you know. He's not a not a joke, and uh, you defeat him, but he does get away.
0: And then that's about it. It's kind of like this is the this is the climax that this entire game has been building towards. You know, the defense of Narsh, and let's let's get this uh, let's get this Esper secured, and then you do. But right, then things kind of take a turn as uh, Tara turns into Crazy Catwoman.
1: Yeah, yeah, Terrago is super, super Saiyan and uh, <laughs> um, super saeon.
0: Um, and <laughs> can, can, can I tell a story about this? Yeah, um, the first time that I played this game was on the PlayStation, heretical, I know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got to this point, you know, it was a harrowing battle, and just kind of like, okay, what's happening now? What's happening now? and she she turns into this this thing and starts you know like flying. I'm like, "Oh god, what's happening?" I was like, "Oh wow." I'm so but then I hear this I hear this pop sound and then mm. the screen goes blank. I'm like, "Is this su- supposed to, to happen like like that? What what, what what's what's going on?" So i have no idea what's going on it's like well i guess this is you know this is a glitch i turn it off and i turn turn the system back on nothing comes on the screen I'm like oh no what's what's going on
1: did you did you pop the cartridge out
0: no i didn't pop the cart. Oh. i was on the playstation gary oh cool.
1: <laughs> I, I, okay
0: no that's no, fine um something knocked the av cord out of the back of my uh out of the back of my playstation uh, right at the scene
1: yeah and it could have been it could have been tricky like there could have just been like a digitized face that appeared in the blackness <laughs> hello <Cole.
2: You> know? go <laughs> yeah. we want to play a game yeah no it's
1: uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, so you pursue her um, you know, you go through a town get some information on where, where she is and you end up in, in Zozo, um, which is, is kind of interesting. It's a, it's a t- town dungeon. Like it's a town, but everyone there are all, uh, thieves and gigantic monsters <laughs> and, uh, liars. So, uh, you <laughs> know. Zozo
0: really needs to get their hill giant population under control. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, totally. And and why isn't the empire wiped this place off the map? It's like, a they're, they're so busy, you know, picking on poor Narsh and, and, and Doma, um, <laughs> but you just leave Zozo alone. <laughs> um, the one yeah. thing about Zozo is excellent music. Um, oh, I really yeah. like the, the music in Zozo.
0: Yeah, nice and nice and sleazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like also narratively, Zozo is pretty interesting because before you reach Zozo, you you pay a quick little visit to Jador. Which mm-hmm. is, which is, you know, this really affluent, very rich town. They've got an auction house and and all this, and they say, yeah, yeah, we raise the rent in order to get all those fucking low lives out of here, and then they go to Zozo. Yeah, I
1: forgot about that. I, to- I totally forgot that Zozo is entirely like a a function of Didor, yep. Um being rich assholes. I totally forgot about that. That is <laughs> that is really interesting. Yeah,
0: it's. I mean, socioeconomics, It's you know, for as for as simplistic as that is, it's it's, it's kind of neat to see a sixteen bit JRPG going into that.
1: Totally. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. But yeah, and the, uh, Zozo features a really annoying puzzle um, where you find out that everyone in in Zozo is a liar, and in addition to being a liar, all they want to do is talk about what time it is. So, so at some point you get to set a clock, and if you can use the process of elimination um, to figure out what time you should set the clock, you get a really powerful weapon for Edgar.
0: You know, which is which would be fine if you weren't attacked every four
1: steps. Exactly. Yeah, those kind of puzzles during you know in random encounter zones not fun. <laughs> not, <laughs> not fun. Not fun
0: at all but uh you eventually climb to the top of this gigantic tower and you find tara and she's still completely out of it and you know she's in her uh little esper coma and uh you find out that spoiler she is half esper
1: yep and you do a little uh a little little flashback you get to see her her parents um her her uh is this where you do that where the control where you get to be modern yeah yeah and uh yeah you, you can you control her her father and uh learn about her origin story which is really just that like a human showed up in the esper world and had sex. Like there's not that much to it.
0: <laughs> like there's not even that much build up. Like it's that, like
1: that, that's my origin story too is that two people <laughs> met and had sex. Like it's not, you know, I don't make a game about me. You know.
0: <laughs> but but it's like she shows up and the espers are like, "Oh no, we can't have a human here. Madwin, go take her out." And then they go take her yeah. out and then and, and 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 yeah, Madwin says, "Oh, you know, oh, humans and espers can never be together." And then she says, "But what if they can boom <laughs> two years later there's <laughs> a kid
1: yeah just, they, they do a little sex dance in the sky and they, it's a really like hilarious uh overwrought like representation of, of childbirth and pregnancy <laughs>
0: it's like they, they do a dance and then they fade off the screen there are two sparks that
1: fly up and they meet
0: and then boom baby
1: yeah the baby just comes out of it one of the one of the sparks is an ovum um one of them is is a sperm and, uh, you, you know, at the, the time I played this, is when this was all uh, all news to me. Everything I knew about sex I learned from <laughs> Final Fantasy VI. So so, uh, so you find out about that. The Esper, uh, you know, you learn this is the point where, you, you know, it's this this far into the game that you actually start uh, getting kind of character customization. And one of my, my frustrations with this game is that there's not very much of that to be had. You have a little control over how your characters level up uh, based on which esper you equip them with. And this is the, or for what magicite. You equip them with, and this is the first time you start getting those. Uh, Magicite give you some like stat bonuses, but this is also how you learn spells in the game. Anyone can learn magic, any of your characters.
0: Yeah, and then it just becomes, you know, a, a race to you know fill out everybody's magic roster as much as you can, and then just managing which esper you have equipped and their you know their rates, and then you just check them every five battles and find out. I'm really impatient about that kind of stuff, so this yeah. th- this was really persistent itch for me to scratch like am i wasting time is this one is this guy 100 here etc
1: that's how that's definitely how i played uh the, you know every time i played up until this one for this one i thought like what if i focus on the stat part of it you know and just and equip people because i don't need everyone to know every spell you know we have that limited selection of espers like i had all these characters learning imp and float and, and there's no <laughs> no point um like everybody gets the the you know the kichi uh esper but the um you know, this time I tried focusing on stats, and it doesn't make very much of a difference. Like the stat bumps you get, unless you're going to like power level, you know, for like a normal casual playthrough, aren't going to make a huge difference. So that was definitely kind of disappointing. And this is a, a kind of a design philosophy they they went on with. You know, the kind of counterpoint to this, you know, that you can make every character the same, is kind of nice because it frees you up to just use the characters you like for story reasons or for their abilities. Mm-hmm. And I can I can appreciate that as an idea, you know, um, but they they really went on to kind of perfect this this flaw. Um, or defect this this flaw in Final Fantasy VII, when literally every you know, there's even less difference between characters because you can switch the progress you've made between characters at any time. <laughs> so there's really no reason in Final Fantasy VII to use one character over another. In this game, there is some reason to use one character over another, but not as much as there could be.
0: And those edges are sanded off. I mean, as you mentioned before, you know, Cells, she becomes less useful because everybody starts casting. Edgar, he becomes less useful, again, because everybody starts casting. Right. All of these magic abilities start kind of uh, getting more powerful and more, you know, kind of more functional than the individual uh, character abilities that you
1: have. Right, right, which is disappointing. Yeah. Um but it doesn't come up yet. At least now, every character is different. There's a reason to have them have different uh, aspers equipped. And you move on from here. Um, you, know, you need an airship to get to the Empire. There's only one guy who owns an airship. Uh, he's in love with an opera singer. The opera singer looks just like Sus. Um, so it's a very convoluted thing that leads to kind of the most famous sequence in the game.
0: <laughs> the most awful famous sequence in the game.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, so at the time, yeah, I appreciate this as being you know, really novel. You know, oh there's like very yeah. like romantic, you know, kind of weird cutscene that's still interactive. Like you still have to like memorize your lines. You're still controlled. The thing I didn't realize, and when I played it when I was younger, that I realized this time, is the scene is 100% a comedy. Like the, <laughs> the, the the opera scene is supposed to be funny. Yeah. The whole thing is supposed to be funny. Like the, the overall dialogue is is maybe a little subtle, but everything everyone else does is hilarious. Like I brought Sab in there. And he's sitting in the audience and if you talk to him between things, he says, Why is everyone singing? <laughs> like that's so that's really funny. Like that's actually legitimately funny. Yeah. And then Altros, that your octopus buddy, decides to, you know, put on his twirly mustache villain and you know, and uh and drop a weight and he's like, This weight's pretty heavy. It'll take me exactly five minutes to lift it and then a five minute <laughs> counter pops up. Like it's it's a comedy. Like the whole scene is supposed to be funny. It's not so all these, you know, all the you know, the nerds on the internet who are who are saying, you know, It's the most romantic thing I've ever seen. My heart broke during the opera scene. Are are wrong, but the people also who are just like you know, it's so it's so stupid and over dramatic. I think if they play it again and kind of look at it for an eye towards trying to be funny, I think they'll appreciate it a little bit more. Why is your nerd voice a transformer? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, (laughs) but no, you're right. There's so much just you know, know.
0: there's so much gene creaming about this fucking scene. I I don't know but it seemed yeah. like it, it just it, it gets more and more absurd after after altros you know falls down onto the stage the uh the, the the guy who's running it the director he's like okay we're gonna run with it Locke is gonna come in yeah. and rescue this person <laughs> yeah, let's you know?
1: run with it yeah. a giant octopus that a weight just bashed through your stage go with it <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it's, i don't know i thought i thought it was really funny this time playing through oh uh, yeah you know more more than anything mm-hmm. um but uh yeah, it's real good. But it does, I like, you know, I like that it introduces you to Setzer, who's one of my favorite characters in the game. He doesn't have that much backstory, but, like, there's still the 14-year-old part of me that thinks he's, like, so badass, you know? <laughs> like, the introduction, me and my friend Derek would, you know, when the, we, the overwrought drama of this was, was apparent to us even at that age. And and after we were playing this, I, you know, I went to high school and I like, Hey, Derek, my life is just a chip on your pile, <laughs> any of. <up." And> <laughs> like, you know, I, I have a soft spot for Setzer. Yeah. And I, and I like him from a gameplay perspective too. Like I think he's he's pretty tough. Like I like his weapons a lot. They can all be used from the back row. Yeah. Um. And his his slot machine mechanic. Um. I always had you know that never failed me. I always had like pretty good luck with it. I don't like leaving things to chance. I'm not, yeah.
0: a, I'm not a gambler, Gary. I'm not a gambler. <laughs> I, I mostly just fold them. Um...
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta know when. Gotta exactly. And uh... that, that win is always. <laughs> um... <laughs>
0: But, but, you get sets here, and you get the airship, and you uh get the most headache inducing world map navigation method known to man
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you you cruise around on this airship in, in mode seven glory, and um you have this tiny little mini map that shows you where you are, and it is difficult, but the cool thing this leads to a nice dungeon like you go to you're you're gonna go free um the rest of the aspers and uh you go to the the Magitek factory, this is where they're uh killing aspers and turning them into into magicite. And uh not only does this this has some of my favorite video game music mm-hmm. in uh in history but it's also like a really fun dungeon like you got lots of like conveyor belts and and hooks and such to, to to carry you to different places.
0: Lots of good items too. Um up yeah. until I played uh Sen's Fortress and Dark Souls this was my favorite video game level ever.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely I I am not familiar with that Dark Souls level but I, I, this one is one of my favorites for sure.
0: But uh, a lot of story here too, because uh, this is where all of the, uh, you know, the empire is collecting espers uh, somehow. I don't know how they got into the world. That gate is pretty well sealed um, <laughs> and draining them of their power. And you kind of find out that the empire has it all wrong because they're keeping them captive. And it turns out you can only really get the full power out of them after you kill them.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I, I missed a book earlier. Like they're not, they're not killing them until you go in and kind of, you know accidentally teach them that's how (laughs) that's how you do it right so you, you you kind of fuck up um and and do that um but this is also you also get a lot more espers which is or a lot more uh magicite which is really nice you know it kind of widens your your tactics palette um and a lot of kind of final fantasy mainstays show up at this point you know you get ifra and and shiva
0: i like that boss battle too um yeah where, where, where you're fighting them because it, uh, it it introduces this thing that kind of carries out throughout the rest of this first half of the game, which is this adversarial slash, um, you know, ally relationship that you have with the espers, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, um, they're,
1: they're testing you at this point, they're gonna die anyway. Um, <laughs> but they want to they want to see if you're worthy of using their, their souls. Soul gems or what have you. But
0: then you but then you find out about uh Dr. Sid who has been kind of uh, uh conducting this research and has uh been kind of a father figure to all of the all of the Magitech generals, including uh Tara, you know, who raised her, and then uh Cells as well. Mm-hmm. Um and then Kefka too, actually. Uh because right. he was the person who kind of said, like, Okay, we're gonna make you all magical people now.
1: Right, right. And
0: I'm I'm wearing a hood for some reason and I have a very yeah, he, a very, unsight- yeah, very unsightly mustache
1: yeah he, he's just, he's an ugly man <laughs> he's, he's an ugly man and this and then you uh you know you go through there's like a mine cart like a ridiculous mode seven minecart cart sequence <laughs> that's really <laughs> ugly um you know I appreciate them trying to break it up oh but yeah, it's ugly and then you end up uh you you eventually you go to the sealed cave this is my least favorite and you you have it in your notes here that's not a good dungeon I hate this dungeon this has the fucking bat for sure of this level <laughs> or of this uh this half of the game which is uh the misfit. Which casts an attack called Life Shaver, mm-hmm. which is just a you know can be a one hit kill very easily, um you know and I don't know how to defend against it. I don't know if it's a, you know I, I I don't know what to do about it. You know just every once in a while they kill my my characters and heal them for the same amount. Um, what's really really irritating is mm-hmm. that they give you the Assassin's
0: Dagger, and if you're like me, you have lock with you at all times. When I first played this game, I, I thought that this was an impossible dungeon. Because every time Locke would hit somebody, they would come back to life
1: at full power. Right, and just because they're immune to death, they they
0: give you this item that will make this dungeon impossible for you if you're (laughs) if one of your DPS guys is Locke who is using this item. Right. Yeah, And, and there's also the you know kind of the Zozo problem of you're trying to solve puzzles when there are random battles,
1: lots of random battles. Yeah, this this I mean this part sucks. This is the only you know going back and replaying it. This is the only part so far that's been really frustrating to me. Yeah, and uh, I I really hate this dungeon, but it it leads to a neat. Thing.
0: Oh, love this next part of the game because you open up the sealed gate, um, and of course it's the usual.
1: Ha ha! You led us right
0: there, and you opened it for us, and and all of that. Mm-hmm. And the the Espers, they're they're out for blood because they know what the empire's been doing. And when you open up the gate, uh, it literally is Pandora's box as they come out and start having their vengeance.
1: Right. I really I really like this as kind of a a, a plot thing. Like I like this thought of them waiting on the other side of the gate, just waiting for you to open it. And they're just like, you know, assume that this is not what they want. You know, they think that they want to get in here, but we're going to fuck them up. And they just, they go in, they, they demolish the uh, Vector, which is the, the capital town of, uh, of the Empire.
0: Which has and, both direction and length.
1: Right, right, right. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, the, uh, and when, when you show up, it's really neat. Because this is the town you had snuck through to get to the Magitek factory. But now there are uh, returners walking around. There's soldiers walking around. But they're not, you know, uh, aggressive. Um everyone is just kind of perplexed because it's uh because they've been ravished. And you get worried that the empire wants or emperor wants to wants to talk to you.
0: And you go and you try and figure it out. And this is kind of what I think is one of the more memorable sections of the game, because you actually sit down and you have a you have a meal with the emperor. And there's like a little conversation puzzle as you are trying to affect the right decorum to try and smooth things over and find out if he's for real.
1: And and right before that, they give you a mini game to try to talk to as many soldiers as you can in four minutes, which, again, I love whenever they hang this lampshade where they're like, well, dinner will be about ready in about four minutes. And then a four minute timer shows up. I think it's really funny, but both of those parts are really were really fun to me. Um, you, you can go and you can spy on Kafka; they're holding him in a toilet, like a toilet stall. <laughs> so, you know that makes sense. So, so you're you're, you're convinced uh, of the of the empire's good intentions, whether you want to be or not, and uh, you you head out with their with their, their general Leo to a town called the Massa, um, and you're, you're going there because that's where the the Esper's uh, where they headed. Um, and you're going to you're going to make peace, right? I like guess that's why you set out to Thamasa.
0: Maybe I think that you headed out to, to Thamasa because they uh, because they just kind of wanted to pad out the game and give you another couple of characters.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that is probably 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 correct.
0: Because um, uh, Thamasa, it's a, it's a town of, uh, of, of descendants of the Magi from the uh, from the former War of the Magi, just people who are naturally uh, talented in magic.
1: Right, right, and and everyone's kind of cagey about it. There's it's kind of fun when you're going around, like everyone's hiding something. Um, there's a part where you can kind of walk around and see them. There's a there's a little kid who cuts his cuts his hand, and and his mom is about to cast cure on him, and uh, she won't do it because she spots you, and he runs away. Like, why won't you cast cure on me? <laughs> and I, I always it's always kind of weird in video games where they underline that intersection of gameplay and, and plot. Exactly. You know, like there there be no there'd be no death in, <laughs> in, in in this world. That's why there's only a hundred people on the planet because they're the same hundred people. They keep getting Phoenix downed and raised for thousands of years. Well,
0: well if, if Final Fantasy four is any, any indication, you don't actually die when you get into combat, you just swoon.
1: Right. right exactly. Everyone's just like fainting like a dandy. <laughs>
0: get the vapors. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but you, you get, uh, you, so you stay, stay at the end and, uh, you know, you, uh, this old man named Strago, uh, wakes you up and, and a house is burned down with with his daughter Realm in it. These are the the last two uh, main characters, uh, non optional characters you can get.
0: And you know you go in and you mount a, a a a big rescue and you find out like, oh, this house burned down because they stored a bunch of fire rods in
1: here. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that line. You're like <laughs> talking to the guy outside and he's like, oh, they stored a lot of fire rods in there. Like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you storing fire rods in your mansion for? It's
0: it's their equivalent of oily rags.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: but uh you know the jigs up you find out that they have magic Strago joins you and uh you go off on your own uh you have shadow at this point because realm really likes interceptor for some reason
1: yeah yeah and and you know realm and Strago like you know i liked Strago just as i wanted somebody who was a dedicated mage Mm -hmm. you know he's not like the best mechanically at it realm actually is realm has the highest magic stat in the game for some weird reason um but i'm really annoyed by realm i don't i don't want to use realm I don't know. I think she's annoying. So in, in my final party, I've got Strego, um, even though I'm not a big fan of blue magic, but just because I wanted an old man mage. Oh, yeah. She looks annoying. I don't like that she's blonde. She,
0: she really just tags along. You know, I, I like I like yeah. her uh, her field sprite more than I like her conversation sprite.
1: Yeah. 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 I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. But uh, um, it's it's kind, of, it's kind of fun because I guess if you have if you have Edgar in your in your party when you when you first get her, he asks her, mm. H- how how old are you? And she says, I'm 10. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know yeah. she runs off and he says uh, i hope you're still around in eight years kid
1: that's super yeah. creepy dude yeah don't do super that. creepy super <laughs> creepy but don't say that um, we're, we're coming <laughs> oh edgar um <laughs> he's probably fathered everyone in his kingdom <laughs> like <laughs> So this leads into one of my favorite things in the game. Like you go to a, a dungeon that there's not that much to say about. Um, you pretty much you just find the Esper's, mm-hmm. and they accompany you back into town, and and this is really really cool. Um, you know you get there. Uh, General Leo apologizes to the Esper's. The Esper apologize for defeating the Empire. You think that this is the end of the game, even to the point to where all the characters face the camera, and and wave. Like mm-hmm. it, it really looks like the end of the game. The music's all happy. And it's silent. And then you hear like Kafka's trademark 16 bit, like, like, you know, his, his laugh. And he just comes in and does some fucking sociopathic crazy shit in, in, in this part. And it's awesome.
0: It's, I mean, and, and this is one of those parts where I say, yes, it really stretches the, uh, it really stretches the, 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 limits of the way that they present the story, you know, through the sprites. I found myself watching it now, having just recently uh, beaten final fantasy 12, and you know seeing mm-hmm. their cutscenes and they're really p- pretty similar stories um honestly just kind of wishing wishing oh god that this would be rendered the way it is because he just straight up genocides these espers he's like right. thanks for getting all of them one all of them in one place and then he casts and then immediately turns them into into Magisite and starts collecting them and it goes on forever and you're just like this guy is irredeemable
1: Yeah, uh, I, I was doing some research into this and i guess the um the, there's a better translation of the the Japanese text that we didn't get that makes it even darker like when he when he first meets the the Esperers, he talks about inviting them to his house and like um, introducing them the magicite that he has on his mantle oh, so like no. when you when you know that those are actually just you know dead dead creatures you know they their souls like coalesced into into crystals and stuff and just real creepy. He teases General Leo. Like he spends a lot of time just kind of dressing him down. It's just, it's a really cool scene. And this is like kind of like the shit gets real part. And it leads into that that final dungeon. Um, where ultimately in the second half of the game shit gets super real.
0: <laughs> About as real as he can get. Um, I, I, and this is one of those things where like the, the the lore and the and and the explanation behind why things are the way that they are. I really feel like it breaks down like it's kind of this way in Final Fantasy seven too, where there are things about the way that magic and the old gods and things like that work that the end result is ooh, something visually striking happens. But I have no idea why the continent lifts up and starts floating around.
1: Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I don't know either. Now that I think about it, <laughs> um, I'm sure I'm sure there is something there. I mean, Final Fantasy plots do what they have to do. You know, it's not, um, and they they spend a lot of time with like mystic, you know, mumbo jumbo, like this whole idea of the three, you know, the three elder, you know, magi statues and stuff like that. I mean, the whole thing is just, you know, when you're creating a world from scratch, you can put anything in it, call it that world religion, and just it lends like legitimacy to it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I would agree with you that it's pretty obnoxious, but it, it is fit into this tone, this like weird kind of like larger than life, like adventure tone. That yeah. this game has and that's something that final fantasy games in general do really well is i feel like they start out as a very small personal story and then like rip the veil back you know to make yeah. it epic but then they rip it again and again and again <laughs> until it gets fucking annoying <laughs> so like it always start and this is the game i like the the last one kind of in the series where they didn't take that too far you right. know like, it has the whole second half of the game but it doesn't you know and then we zoom out and and he's you know piloting planets into each other and <laughs> And, then, you know, uh, it, it's all about that, you know, the there's no life force or anything. It's just like at the end of it, it's very concrete, But just at this point. This like kind of like turning point in the game, I think is really strong.
0: All, all of the main plot development up to this happens. And then most of the second half of the game, you know, uh, you know, this 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 is looking further ahead. Um, it kind of stops after everything that happens on the floating continent until you make your final siege. Everything between then is you re- regathering the party and doing these really personal stories.
1: Well, and and we'll talk about this more. Um, oh yeah. In the uh, in the second part, but I feel like the storytelling kind of I mean it doesn't disappear, but it becomes more indirect. Yeah. Like the story is more about seeing what happens to the world in the wake of this this disaster and the year in between. Mm-hmm. So it kind of in addition, not only does the gameplay style change, but the story style storytelling style changes a lot.
0: Yeah, but you know, life is about contrast, Gary. And yeah, yeah. this first half does give uh, a lot of contrast to that second half. But you yeah. couldn't get there if you didn't go through the Floating Continent.
1: <laughs> nice segue. Um, yeah, this is a really cool uh, really cool area. You have This is also the first time when the game opens up. You don't have to go right away to the Floating Continent. You can fly around and do anything you want, go shopping, etc. Um, there's also where you can get Mog, um, who's a character. I didn't get him this playthrough. I always get him before the Floating Continent, but I was kind of pressed for time. You can get him? Yeah, you oh, can get I'm... him in the World of Balance. I always got him in the world of ruin when I went to get uh, Umaru. Nope, you can you can get uh, get him in the world of balance. Huh. Um, but I, I did not do it this time. Neat. I just went to the the continent, which is a really fun area. Like it's, you know, it's it's a uh, really well designed. Um, the puzzles are not too frustrating. The the boss the <laughs> uh, the monsters are actually pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Like uh, this is the first point in the game where I feel like it gets, you know, really pretty challenging.
0: Yeah, like this is probably the first point where I died frequently like maybe there were one or two fights where it's like oh i was really unprepared for that and i got petrified and okay now i'm dead i knew what i did wrong but this one the first ones were mechanically the 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 enemies actually did make me feel like i could die at any time
1: right and i i I mean i actually really like that in this point too like i it's a it's a strength to me that this is like where everything is is tough because it should be you know Mm -hmm. this is the the lead up to the end of the first half of the game um the fake final dungeon Right, exactly, exactly. Fake final dungeon. Um, the end boss of the area is this character named Ultima, who gives you like his little village, spe- his villain speech. You know, at the beginning, like I am power and muscle, pure combat in human form. I do not you know, bleed. It, yeah, exactly. Like he, he gives you that, and he's a he's a tough, tough, tough fight. God,
0: I was up until two a.m. beating this fucker last night.
1: Yeah, he's just if you if you haven't spent any time at all. Leveling up, like Final Fantasy games always have the point. You can play them without doing any grinding until you always hit a wall and you eventually hit a wall. And that's just when you have to start, you know, working on it. And if you haven't spent any time, like I'd spent a little bit of time just after the magic factory gaining some levels because I had some some espers and uh, didn't have too hard of a problem. But he was noticeably harder than the other bosses.
0: And this he he's actually really I found him a lot easier if I had cells in my party. Um, because mm-hmm. because of runic, because you know, until he gets into uh, the part of his pattern where he's just doing spell-like abilities and charging up and doing status effects and stuff like that, when he's in d- just normal combat mode, he's just you know casting you know Blizzard you know blazara you know the- those type of spells. And if you keep your runic up, you can actually uh, stop a lot of damage in between. And I kind of mastered being able to switch between my active party members um, mm-hmm. in order to uh, um, kind of time my. You know, Kuros, uh, strangely enough, Sabin is my main, is my, is my main healer. Uh,
1: <laughs> his, his, uh, his power, his, uh, blitz powers are based on the magic stat. So pumping up his magic stat makes sense. Oh yeah.
0: Um, and, and, uh, yeah. So I, I was able to actually time it around to where like, okay, I know that now is a time to heal keep you know i keep cells kind of uh you know held until until sabin comes up fires off akira and then i and i immediately throw that magic shield back up so it took me about like five tries i counted which is more more times than i than i you know normally would give myself on a boss mm-hmm. um but uh you know anything yeah, he, for this podcast here oh, <laughs> <laughs> he
1: he wiped me out um i it took just took me two two tries the first time um i went to him i i didn't have uh uh cells in the party second time i didn't bring cells but i brought Terra, and mm-hmm. i had had her her morph power kind of i had a, a lot of that banked um her her superpower after she comes back is that uh she can turn into her her esper form and uh, does double damage with magic so mm-hmm. i i pretty much i just i had her do that and i had her break rods um for the first half and i didn't even get to the countdown part like i ended up killing him before he could do that the second time nice. but just kind of through cheesing it like rods are really, really powerful, but you can, you can just use them once if you use them as an item. And, uh, in, in Esper form, she does insane, you know, three or 4,000 damage every time.
0: Yeah. Um, I also got rid of my entire weapon inventory through shadow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost like that's, uh, you know, if just throwing things at him, you know, I, I, this is kind of a funny image, especially if like you're running away or something like that. And just kind of tossing things at his face. To,
0: um,
1: so after you beat him, you go up and you find the, the three, the three statues and, and, uh, the Emperor and, and Kefka are there. Um, it had been revealed earlier that the Emperor, you know, his whole ploy about peace was fake, which I kind of like a little bit less. I kind of wish that he still wanted peace and Kafka was the one who was going behind his back and it ended up, you know, betraying, betraying the whole empire at this point. I thought yeah. that might have been a little, like, stronger. Um, but they get into some really kind of uh, chilling dialogue at this point. The Emperor at one point says something about repopulating his kingdom with Kefka and cells yeah, as, because they're, you know, magic knights. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets real creepy I mean they're both full on sociopaths <laughs> it is a missed
0: opportunity I, I I remember in in my mind's eye you know my memory of playing the game I remember the, the emperor being a little bit more reluctant and not being just you know complete evil at, yeah. at this point gosh now that you say that it really does feel like a feel like a you know a, a waste but you know it's not a long waste because you know Kafka Kef- murders him with lightning and then kicks him off the side <laughs> of the island
1: Right, 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 and and ruin some some kids' picnic, down on, down <laughs> on the, you know, just this flaming meteor of Emperor. Just is that a dog? It looks kind of like a dog. Wait, now oh, he gets closer now. Uh, well, I don't know if you thought the Emperor looks like a dog and is walking around sprites. Really
0: weird. He's uh, uh he's he's uh in a in a really really close race with Sid for the most offensive facial hair in this game, <laughs> with Cyan in a in a close third.
1: Yeah, they never perfected facial hair. No, on, on this planet. Um. So you, uh, you know, he and the uh, Kafka starts pushing the statues out of alignment after he he kills the emperor. And, uh, you know, he's paralyzed you through magic and everything. And uh, Shadow shows up. He'd he'd previously walked away for a little bit uh, for no particular reason. And then uh, he, you know, he's going to delay Kafka while you make your escape. And he starts boxing him in between these uh, statues, which is really cool. It's a funny image, too. It's a nice image. I also think it's ultimately why Kafka, you know, goes full on, you know, Eldritch Abomination. I thought about that, too,
0: actually, as I was playing it. I was like, oh, that's why he's merged with the Triad.
1: Right. That's yeah. So, you know, Shadow kind of does it. So thanks, Shadow. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You jerk. Yeah. Um, So so and then then you have this kind of mad dash, you know, another time limit to try to uh, try to escape the continent, the. Is the kind of it just you know brimming with magical energy? Is there a concrete threat? Like, is it gonna? It's not gonna fall or anything.
0: It's oh, just it's falling apart as you're running away from it.
1: Yeah, I guess it. I guess it is falling apart. Yeah, the whole thing is uh, is falling apart. Um, and uh, you, you get to the end, and this is kind of another famous thing uh, about this game, is that regardless of how much time you have left, you have the option to jump or wait. And it just says wait. And then when you if you go to it again, it says jump or wait for shadow, and that's like your first hint. And uh, if you decide to just jump off the the pl- off the platform onto the the airship, um, you know that's the end of the first world, and and you never see Shadow again. He's dead. But you can wait for him and get him during the World of Ruin as well. But you but it cuts it really close. You have to wait until I think three seconds, five beforehand, five, five? seconds. Because yeah. I was getting
0: worried. Actually, I was like, I don't want to have to beat Ultima again.
1: Right. Right. <laughs>
0: Which, how, how would you know it unless you, I mean, just if you get there and it says jump or wait, why in the world would I wait? I know right. that on the second it says wait for shadow, but.
1: Uh, right, know. it kind of hides it, hides it from you. I mean, it's, it's one of those, it's a weird balance. Because if it just said, you know, wait for shadow, um, then obviously you'd wait for shadow. So it's kind of a nice little bit of hidden content, you know, but. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then the, you know, the 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 world starts blowing up. Um, that, c- that
0: that poor soldier who falls into the crevice after it pulls away <laughs> and then it like <clears throat> crunches back yep. up again. That's pretty gruesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the, literally, the, the you know plate tectonics are, are nothing like the <laughs> the world just gets you know torn up by by Kafka with his power of uh, the, the statues.
0: That awesome shot, like from orbit, where yeah, just the Earth explosions. Are just explosions. Or, oh yeah. god, it's like yeah. that. That that is probably one of the most serious. You know, shit got real you know moments totally. in the entire series i think
1: totally and definitely in my like you know gaming development you know whatever <laughs> word you want to use like the um, you know whatever uh, my my gaming history like i man mine mine fucking super blown at the time i saw this i was like we lost yeah like that that's you know that's so cool like that that mm. and that's why you know you know there's lots of uh lots of uh debate about the best final fantasy um, series and that's why this one is my favorite is because it was the first time I I had that kind of sense of uh, consequence and and uh, you know it had that kind of darkness to it. Um,
0: so in Final Fantasy IV, um <laughs> Goldbez gets all of the crystals, and <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> that is one one hundred percent true. That does happen. It does. Then you go to the moon and Damn. I don't know. I love Final Fantasy 4. Oh, me too. Uh,
0: I just wanted to do that voice. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So the world ends.
1: Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about the game in general? Like any generalities? They're not specific. Yeah. I feel
0: like we hit a lot, a lot of it. You know, just so much of it is experiential, and you know, the the, the characters I think are the are the biggest strength of the game. You, you know, and I mm-hmm. think that you know, and we talked about this over the over over email. I don't know why the listeners need to know that we talked about it over email. <laughs> um, but what's great about the characters is, um, you know, Final Fantasy characters tend to go bad in the spotlight. They just kind of spoil like milk. Yeah. As, you, as you spend more time looking at them. And just by, by the sheer fact that you see so many of them, they spend less time on the screen and they remain interesting because they because they stay kind of small, right?
1: Right. I agree. Um, when you when you look at the protagonist, I mean, Final Fantasy has infamously shitty protagonists in most of their games. You know, like you look at, uh, at uh, Cloud, who really famously is just, you know, amnesiac jerk. Squall, who's just regular jerk. Um, Zidane is fine, but there's not much to say about him. You is know? he even the main protagonist of that game, though? Yeah, I don't know. But it, <laughs> that game is kind of, you know, as far as, like, parallels, um, you know, like, I like how, you know, when you're talking about games, uh, characters spoiling when they're in the spotlight, that's one of the things I really like about 9. And that's, uh, you know, we're not talking about 9. But, you know, Vivi is is the strongest character in that game mm-hmm. by far. And he's, you know, he is a side character. You know, he's not one of the main characters. And this in this game in Final Fantasy Six, nobody quite gets that main character status. So they all have that kind of potential. I mean,
0: if we're gonna talk about series comparisons too, we should say twelve as well, where they specifically designed a character that is awful to be in that main character spot. That way you can, you know, not feel bad when you say, Okay, everybody else is awesome but this
1: guy. Right. Right. I'm what I hate, Gary. I am what I hate. Sorry. <laughs> dark dark mirror (laughs) yeah i mean the characters are all like really like are are fun and strong and all have like appropriate backstories that that are you know again when you look at like narrative or not novelistic standards are really shitty and shallow but but video game standards are really are really cool there's a lot of little touches too like a lot of the characters have kind of a color scheme they all have a a musical cue you know every character has a song that will play during their their kind of focus events which is really cool um the whole the whole game has that has a kind of like opera quality to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of a macrocosm of of the you know, the the kind of famous event <laughs> in it. Um I, I think that
0: uh, of the late motifs, Terra's, which is also the the main world map, that is one that is most used and also um I think the maybe one of the best songs in Final Fantasy. Yeah, um, yeah, that song I is great. It. Um say so the music is really
1: great. <laughs> the the music the music in this game is fantastic, it's gorgeous to look at. Like I think this is the the you know the best looking 16-bit sprite RPG. Oh yeah. You know is is my favorite. I mean a lot of people I like Chrono Trigger. I, I've got reservations about it. Like that character design style, that Dragon Ball character design yeah. style, I don't like very much. You know and and I've I've always been of the mind that like while Chrono Trigger is really good, it's a little bit overrated. Mm-hmm. Um you know I think I like this game a lot more. It Chrono Trigger is more condensed. Like I feel like this game does have some sagging in it. Like uh, kind of talking about good things and bad things at the same time. Like you spend a lot of the middle part of the first part of this game going back and forth from Narsh. Yeah. Like your characters are constantly like, we have to get back to Narsh. Like, I wonder what's. There's one point where you talk to a guy and they say, "I wonder what's happening in Narsh." And I just want to be like, "I don't. I fucking don't." Like, (laughs) there five times. Yeah, I know. I I, like. I should just rent an apartment. Like for the you know the (laughs) money I'm spending on inns, in Narsh. Like, because I'm I'm so sick of that place. You know um so there's kind of some sag like i feel like there's probably some some things that could have been edited out uh, of this game um the the character like having the, the the 14 characters would not be as cool if they didn't also add the fact that this is the first game in the series where you could switch between them oh yeah pretty much it will like they kind of make up for that choice of how to develop your you know lack of choice on how to develop your character based on having a choice of who you use which is really cool i mean like final fantasy 4 has a lot of characters but They all come and go by way of plot contrivance um in this one you know you it's up to you and you can kind of choose who's good for what you know what strengths to match against against what challenges
0: and it's nice because it's really hard to screw yourself you can be successful with pretty much any party
1: um but (laughs) god i hate
0: random battles i know that we said we wouldn't (laughs) talk about uh jrpg stuff but it's just it's so shocking going back from you know modern rpgs to like oh every four steps i'm going to be interrupted there's nothing that i hate in this world gary more than being interrupted <laughs> do I, I, you like I'm, when
1: people interrupt you by snapping get, <laughs> that's my get, least get favorite o- thing like someone starts sna- I, I no one ever does it like someone will snap near me and i'll, I'll think that they're snapping <laughs> to get my attention and i'll just look at them and just like you're not doing that to me right like dead serious i like, get all humor dreams for my body it's like the most annoying thing my,
0: my like, attention is sacred Gary yeah. and my and my and my devotion to completing a task be that writing an email or walking from one side of a screen to another that is something that I will not abide any trespass against. Yeah. And uh JRPGs they 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 trespass it a
1: lot. The culture of constant interruption. <laughs> the uh the I uh, yeah I don't like that either. I don't like you know I kind of as I you know in my gamer development <laughs> have uh have, have grown to, to really I like making choices about my characters. Like, I want to think the things I do to have, have impact. And when they, you know, the, the they really minimize that in this game. I guess that's kind of segueing. You know, I don't, I don't like random battles either. Um, I don't have that much to add to it. But the the level-up system in, in JRPGs, where you, in most of them, where, uh, oh, I, I know how I was going to connect this. Um, in this game, you know, there's very little you can do to change how your character develops. Um, when they increase that, I feel like you can kind of mitigate how annoying random battles are. Like I really like the leveling up system in Final Fantasy X, because it always felt like you know level ups were very frequent. Like getting new uh, sphere points or whatever they called them happened all the time. Um, every character I could develop them however I wanted. You know I was constantly making choices and upgrading. Whereas levels are pretty far, you know, few and far between in this game. It takes a long time to level up. Getting abilities, you know, uh, Sabin has eight abilities during the entire game, and you can maybe get them up to level like 30 or 40. In the game, you know, you're only getting something new every, you know, really, really vast gulfs of time between you, when you get a new toy to play with for any of these characters
0: right.
1: other than magic, which just kind of homogenizes everyone.
0: There are definitely Final Fantasy games that do make it feel like you're making progress. Um and when you don 't feel like at the end of this battle you 're not going to be able to check a check a menu and make yourself better, it really just does feel like uh time padding
1: right so that that 's definitely uh frustrating you know I think those are probably the two greatest weaknesses of this game are just the the ones that are inherent to r p g s and then the the leveling up system, which is not not strong the character advancement system which i mean i i, I don 't know you have to think. Well, I don't even know if that's if that's a valid point
0: to make. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm workshopping this before I say it. Final Fantasy four, no real progression. You just learn spells as you as you as you uh, leveled up. Not a big deal because you lose characters left and right in that game. They just they just die. <laughs> for mm-hmm. no reason at right. all, they just like, oh, I'm gonna sacrifice myself. <laughs> I'm okay, <laughs> here we go. I'm gonna betray you thanks to the crystal. Bye. Um. Uh, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But no, like just even even the game that came right before this, immediately before this, Final Fantasy V job system, perfect. I love any Final Fantasy game that has a job system involved in it. Right. Um, this just seemed to drop the ball so hard.
1: Well, that's that's the thing. That's the reason why I, I don't just excuse that as just a sign of the times. You know, like if it if it had a really robust you know development system it would be it'd be unusual but it wouldn't be unique because they you know like like you said they had done it the game right before you know um but it does seem like final fantasy games either kind of go into one camp or another is is what i would say like there's kind of these weird you know ambitious you know there's revolutions and and evolutions in the series and this one is really just an an evolution of final fantasy 4 you -hmm. know ignoring all the cool stuff that five did right I don't
0: know. I find it hard to say bad things about it. Honestly, I mean, just it's it's uh, it just seems so endemic to what it actually is. If you don't like random battles, you're probably not going to like a JRPG. Uh, I just it's and you know we addressed like it was sometimes it's corny, but like in the case of like the opera scene, that's entirely intentional. So no, that's not a problem. It's just one of those things where I I think that because it it does do things kind of well, that's why it's become kind of a sacred cow. Um, and it, I, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to edit out you, 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 you criticizing Chrono Trigger before, because I don't, I don't want my house to be burned down by people on the internet, <laughs> Gary, they're going to come, they're going to burn my house down and they're going to, I
1: don't, I don't like it. Yeah. No, Chr- Chrono Trigger is great. It's, it's, it's good. It's just, I, I, you know, there's just something about the design of it. I like less it's shallow. I don't like how it looks as much. God, Akira
0: Toriyama. He really. Yeah, I just have no interest someone, in that guy. Someone I don't should, know. Somebody should break his hands. <laughs> the, the artist that launched a thousand DeviantArt art accounts. Get,
1: get, get on, it, Div- indie <laughs> get on yeah, it, indie devs. Get
0: on it, indie devs. Get on it. Break Akira Toriyama's hands.
1: Hand or come up with a flash game that allows me to. Um, <laughs> one or, one or the other. So, so that's about um, all we have for this first half. We're going to talk about uh, some more generalities and, and talk about what you do in the second half of this game, which, uh, you know, next in about two weeks. Um, so if you're playing along, uh, play along, get to that, that point. Um, but now that you've heard what we have to say about the first half, um, we want to hear what you have to say. Listener participation is super important to us. Uh, watch out for fireballs. And we got a lot of responses for this episode
0: what i will say um before we get into this if you're thinking hmm, participation i would like to tell these you know fine gentlemen what i think um what's cool is you can email us at watch out for fireballs at duckfeed.tv you can also leave us a voicemail which is uh, greatly appreciated or if you got the equipment you can send us an mp3 file all of that's cool too uh the voicemail number for that is uh 419 419- H h34 W O F F. It's not toll free, but Hey, the podcast is, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, mm-hmm. you can also check us out on Facebook. That's uh, facebook.com slash watch out for fireballs. You can send your, uh, you can leave your thoughts there. Uh, we scrape all of those sources for your, uh, for your delicious, delicious participation.
1: So we, as we said before, we got a lot of responses for this game. Um, we're going to read some of them this episode, some of them next episode, uh, because people feel so strongly about this. A lot of the responses are very long, so we did uh, take the, the liberty of editing them down a little bit. I think that we captured the, the spirit of them all. Um, Cole, do you want to read the, the first one?
0: Yeah, well, um, actually, let's, uh, let's play a voicemail that we got from, uh, from a listener named Michelle and right. uh, see what she says.
2: Final Fantasy VI is, to me, the golden standard for what a great RPG should be. I first played VI in 2006 when I was in college, and for a game that originally came out in 1994, I was overall impressed with it. Every Final Fantasy has a moment or two that always stick out in everyone's mind. But to me, Final Fantasy VI as a whole was one giant epic moment. From its steampunk before steampunk was cool setting, to the classic RPG battle and party system, to the introduction of one of the most terrifying cosplay costumes ever, aka Kafka, and the interactive opera house scenario, it just seemed like a lot more effort was put into making this game memorable and replayable compared to the other Final Fantasy titles that were to come after. My only advice for anyone who hasn't played the game is to just play it. Track it down online, get a ROM, find the original discs, whatever you got to do. Just give it a chance. You will not regret it. And if you do, you don't play real RPGs.
0: D- don't, don't go download a ROM. You, you can buy it. There's, there's plenty. There's plenty of it. You know.
1: Yeah. The, save, your, save your emulation powers for good. For good. <laughs> for, good um, for games that are not readily available.
0: Yeah, Um, the effort, I think, is one of those huge things, because, you know, of all the Final Fantasies, I think this is this might be one of the most authored experiences without being completely overwrought about it.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And what's interesting that kind of backs that up is um, I don't do tons of research for for the for these episodes, but I always try to spend, you know, a couple hours looking around the internet for like trivia or interviews or anything like that that might just be interesting. And uh, I found um, an interview with one of the developers, it wasn't the the, the main director who talked about how the uh, what was the main name of the, the main director. One more time, Ito.
0: Uh, Edo. Ito,
1: Edo. Um, how Ito had called them into uh, a conference room when they were done, and and he said something like, "You know, this is this is the the accomplishment that you can die proud of," Jesus. and everyone was crying. <laughs> like and it's just it's just amazing. Like it just it's but that comes through in the game. Like everyone took it very seriously. You know, it it is authored experience is really a good word for it. I
0: think Yeah, it really paid off too. I mean, if you want to talk about legacies, it's it's really hard for a Final Fantasy not to leave a legacy. But I think the amount of response that we got to this that we can personally take responsibility for (laughs) Uh, For adding to the legacy. I know. No, it just uh, it's it's an indication. You know, most people, if they have an opinion about these things, they have a very favorable opinion of Final Fantasy six. And uh, a lot of that probably has to do with the unique the unique experiences. Uh, that you had uh, peppered throughout there.
1: So, so thank you again, Michelle. Um, this next response is from Magambo on the Something Awful boards. Again, uh, love that That's Something Awful board. Um, and Magambo says this, I love the crap out of Final Fantasy VI. I really hope you talk about its flaws, especially in the first half. It seems like this game is one of people's sacred cows that no criticism should ever touch, i.e. Super Metroid and Chrono Trigger. I, pre- I presume that you will talk about the fact that everyone can learn any spell or the groundbreaking at the time but embarrassing and in retrospect gargling opera scene. I never understood the whole split your party up into separate groups thing in this game, as to this day I always just made one group of my strongest characters and defeated everyone with them. There's no real incentive not to do this, as you have plenty of time and can easily run around and clean up everything with a single group. Even in the Phoenix Cave, I always make one group my actual fighting killing bosses group, and the other Mog with the Mughal charm um Thanks to, thanks Magambo, um, but with the first part where he's talking about the split up your party, he's talking about the RTS parts where you can walk around and actually kill enemies. Uh, later, there's a couple of dungeons where you actually split up into different groups, and he, he references that with the Phoenix Cave,
0: including the final dungeon. Yeah, correct. Which, <laughs> it's it, it's so much effort to keep everybody leveled up, you know, equally, and it's something that you alluded to earlier, which is something I'm kind of ashamed that I didn't notice because they do manage who you have at the forefront at any given moment. You do level everybody up pretty equally and then when they give you the freedom to like you know let people sink or swim you do pick those people who are going to sink or swim
1: right and i I would say the incentive not to do it is just that some of those dungeons where you split everybody up it's really difficult um if you if you don't spread up your powerhouses but it kind of creates this rule of mediocrity among among your parties which is really frustrating uh, when when we're, we're talking about uh, you know JRPG frustrations and everything, I just want to give a quick shout out to a, a company called Z Boy Games. Um, they're, they're Xbox Live and PC developers who did two games, uh, Breath of Death Seven and Cthulhu Saves the World, both of which are, are kind of amazing distillations of what you like about JRPGs. And uh, you know they're all like ten hours long, 10-11 hours long. They're breezy as hell. Everything happens really quick. They're really funny. They're great. And one of the things they do is everyone levels up. You know, if someone's <laughs> not in your party, they level up because why not? Like, what, 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 what is the point? Like what what can be gained you know, other than frustration of making people that you know, you're going to have to use later. And, and that's when that's when it's padding. Like, you know, the idea that there's monsters running around these dungeons. Fine. I can accept that. But when you literally like we're going to make you use this character later, you have to take him to somewhere you've already been and level them up like that is padding in its worst form. You know, and just make everybody level up at once. You know, everybody who's not in the party gains experience. Why not? Good point. Why not? They're off doing push-ups. Like you're, you're in five, you're, there's just a room where they're all doing push-ups and jumping jacks and burpees and squat thrusts. And then, and that's how they get better, casting fire at, at the wall.
0: And then the main guys, they come back to the room and they say, okay, here's what happened and here's what you should do if you get in that same situation. And boom, experience is shared.
1: Exactly. exactly.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Mogambo. Uh, we really like when people criticize the games that we play. And there's the
1: same criticisms that we have too. Like those yeah. are things that are frustrating to to us as well. I agree about that kind of sacred sacred cowness. Even though you know, you you put Super Metroid in there. I wonder what what flaws you found with Super Metroid. <laughs> I, like, I I am really curious about that. Not in a, a fanboy way, but I I have a hard time thinking of problems with that game. Mm, sacred so. ca-
0: sacred cow doesn't imply that there's any you know nothing bad to say about it. It's just said you know it's it's considered in poor taste to uh, to say bad things about it. I guess that's true. Yeah.
1: But if you, if you do have any secret insight about why Super Metroid sucks, let me know cuz I'd be I'd be curious. Just do quiet. There's nothing happening. <laughs> you know, yes. well, I just I just where's the cover system? <laughs> he's, he's on the frag. Um.
0: <laughs> they're called space pirates, but
1: they're just these big bat people. <laughs> Yeah. that's a character you've been working on that's like a feminine guy who who points out like, you know, inconsistencies in, in video game characters yep yep been
0: workshopping that one for years yeah no yeah. <laughs> and finally uh for this episode we're going to read uh dennis's uh you know thoughts here you am gonna paraphrase a little bit but he uh he picked up and started playing final fantasy 6 specifically for this episode to contribute to it. So we really like We love oh, it when that happens, Well, Oh, yeah. God, it's great. If we can make you, you know, if we can convince you to play awesome games, yeah, you, you do that. We love it. So he says, I'm really enjoying Final Fantasy VI, so naturally, I'll jump straight into what I don't like. <laughs> <All
1: right. laughs> right. Makes Makes perfect
0: sense. Perfect sense. Logical. My biggest complaint is that the plot seems to fizzle out when you reach many of the new locales, and you just need to cast about randomly to pick it back up. I had a really bad time with this in South Figaro, where I spent a ton of time trying to get uh, the old man his freaking cider before looking up and a fact that I had to go into the mountains first. Uh, This problem is especially frustrating because the story overall is so good. I also don't like it when the game mixed puzzles and random battles. Amen, brother. For example, I was intrigued by the clock puzzle in Zozo, uh, but was so annoyed by having to fight every four steps that I left it unsolved. Doing either uh, on their own is fun and rewarding, but trying to do both at once is just aggravating. One high point uh, for me so far is that the characters are all unique and interesting. While the cast of the other FF games I've played have felt a little samey, I found myself genuinely caring about each person in Final Fantasy VI. Uh, this is largely due to great writing and equally good character design slash animation. The interactions between Sabin, Cyan, and Gal were particularly entertaining, and I'm continually amazed at how much can be conveyed through these sprites.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Dennis. I, I totally agree. Um, just real quick side note again, you know, those z games. games, the way they handle random battles in any area, you, you do a, a set number and then they're optional. So after you run into something like fifteen times, you have to choose if you want to get into a random battle to grind.
0: Can we? And you pay just these... scared everyone out. <laughs> can we? Can we pay these? Can we pay these guys to uh to go back and do ROM hacks of these old games that are now insufferable?
1: Totally. They they, <laughs> they do they do so much, especially and we're playing the best uh, JRPGs. Like oh, Dennis, yeah. this is one of the best ones. If you want to talk about like go go play like the Seventh Saga, and then and then tell me that like you know how much random battles suck.
0: Go play Beyond the like, Beyond.
1: Totally. Like I mean, this is the cream of the crop. Like, you 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 kind of like RP- JRPGs. At least I do. I kind of like JRPGs in spite of themselves to a degree. And uh, it takes a you know a great game to be one hundred percent worth it. You know, which I think you you picked up on the things that are that are super awesome that make you kind of battle on in spite of the frustrations.
0: So thank you so much, everybody. We had a couple of responses that we, that we received that we were not able to read. Um, You know, they they are a bit lengthy because everybody is passionate about this. Uh, We will hit those next time, um, you know, time depending, but we seriously appreciate everybody and uh, the response that we've gotten so far, not just being, you know, Mr. You know, fake sincerity podcast, podcast (laughs)
1: podcasty guy. Um, so, we want to step into the deliberation continent. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're going to take to the, the airship sealed. up to the deliberation
0: continent. Uh, you can hear some laughter in the distance.
1: This so is the sealed deliberation cave. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have just been kicked out of the sealed deliberation cave by a maniacal harlequin. <laughs> and, uh, and we have decided to give the prize for this episode to Dennis. Um, we thought that his his response uh, had a, a lot of kind of breath and and was very thoughtful yeah. so and and we like it when people specifically pick up the game yeah for the show
0: so Dennis, we will be in touch with you or you can be in touch with us about uh about your uh bounty and uh yeah, that is something that you can always uh do i don't know how we're gonna handle this you know next week's because we're doing the this the same game but we'll figure out a way to do it.
1: Yeah, I and mean, uh, it's, it's it's up to you. Yeah. You know, if you if you want the game, you know, if the next person who who we give a prize to wants uh, Metroid Fusion, that's probably fine. Wait, <laughs> even though we'll have to find a cart version of it.
0: Oh, yeah, that so, is tough. Okay,
1: yeah, so maybe they'll get you know a a, a Steam game or a, a a virtual console game, or we can find a cart. We can probably do that. We'll yeah. figure something out. We'll figure
0: something out. Yeah. Um, so do we want to talk about the next game that we're doing? Next
1: games, yeah. rather yeah. Pl- pl- plural. Yeah. So, um, as as we mentioned before, we are doing um. The, we're doing the second half of this game next episode, so uh, do not uh, disbelieve your your RSS feeds; they are they are accurate. We're doing the same game twice. Um, after that, we are doing Metroid Fusion, um, which is not available on any virtual console or service, but I think is probably six or eight bucks at a game store. If you've super comments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And then after that, for episode thirteen, we're doing Silent Hill Two.
1: Right, which, right. I'm uh, super excited about that. Um, I'm also excited about after that. We are doing Planescape Torment. Um, which is available on good old games. I think it's ten dollars on there. Um that is a, a fantastic game. It is another long one though, so we'll probably remind you of that um during the Metroid episode or Silent Hill episode. Because if you do want to play along, you'll probably want to start before that two week period ends. <laughs>
0: yes. Most certainly. As will I, because I am notoriously yeah. bad at getting these things done quickly. Yeah.
1: And, and and I am too, and I've i played the game twice before. And mm-hmm. I I you know, I'm just super excited about it. I'm gonna start early because it yeah. is fun. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's the games. Um, you know, we are still always taking um, recommendations for those, even though we are pretty booked up throughout the rest of the beginning of the year. Here, we want to hear what you want to hear about. And, yeah, we
1: uh, actually because of uh, this might be a good time to put this out there. Um, because of uh, you know just kind of real life things intruding on the podcast, we are looking for an easy to obtain portable game, um, so easy to obtain portable and quick. So something good, old portable, and isn't going to take tons of time because of a certain circumstances that are coming up. So if you can think of anything that matches those descriptions, uh, let us know.
0: We are very excited to hear about that. And you can tell us about it by writing to us at uh, watch out for fireballs at duckfeed.tv. You can also go to duckfeed.tv slash contact. And there's a nice little form that
1: you can fill out there that goes to us. Um, how else can they get out of scared? Uh, well, they can, they can find us on Facebook. Um, we're at, you know, facebook.com forward slash watch out for fireballs. You can search us. Um, we love it when people find us on there. We put up you know amusing links and stuff that we think is funny. It's a good place to talk about the games. um we just recently bypassed our our fiftieth uh follow around there benchmark, which is really awesome
0: and we're getting new um, followers all the time
1: yeah which is which is awesome i love I love seeing that um You can also call us on the voicemail, which I again have not memorized, but that's because I have a learning disability and don't make fun of it
0: that's um, <laughs> that's four one nine eight three four w o f f the it's not toll free but the podcast is.
1: Totally. Um, yeah, and then just uh kind of moving moving forward, um if you are interested in other shows by us, uh Cole has two shows that he does that are available on Duckfeed.tv. There is Stand Under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This, a long running uh multiple dudes in a room talking about games, new, old, special subjects, um, things that come to mind. It's very good. Um there's also Those Damn Ross Kids, which is a comedy show he does with his brother who is a very funny individual. And if you, I don't, I don't get into it really, really hardcore, but if you like the points in this, the show where I kind of make fun of Cole, you will really <laughs> like that show because, because Chris destroys him. <laughs> like he, he, he takes his soul apart like bit by bit. Like it is, if you like hearing Cole get shut down, which I admit I kind of do, <laughs> then uh, you will like that show.
0: I am a pompous asshole, Gary, and I need to be taken <laughs> down several pegs at regular yeah. intervals.
1: It, it takes so many podcasts to give you <laughs> a, a proper peg level. <laughs> like, it just I feel like I'm just bailing water out of a sinking ship.
0: You know, <laughs> you just can't match Chris's uh, Chris's acumen at uh, just completely ripping me for limb, you know, limb from limb. <laughs> <laughs> it is the funniest. I encourage her sure. to do it. Um, and if you like Gary and his stuff, uh, you should keep your eyes uh, peeled. And uh, directed towards DeadIdeaValhalla.com because I know for a fact that there's some awesome and uh, complicated and really really good stuff coming down that way. Yeah, so. I'm
1: I'm doing the most work I've done in my podcasting career. Like I'm <laughs> I'm working on a thing that is going to take me twenty to twenty four hours to finish. Oh, and I'm like seven hours into it, and on on the on the episode it's twenty minutes. So <laughs> seven hours for twenty minutes of content. Yeah. So, uh, will it be worth it? Tune in to find out. I think the
0: payoff uh, is going to be gigantic. Don't sell yourself short.
1: I, I, hope, so. <laughs> I hope so.
0: So yeah, that's uh, that's the source for uh, for all things us.
1: Yeah, yeah. And in in the meantime, um, if we can leave you with some advice, um, one of the things would be like if, it, if an empire moves in the United States, starts destroying towns, killing people, and everything, and then all of a sudden they're like, eh, "Come to dinner." We're not going to destroy people anymore. Uh, they're lying. Don't trust anybody who wears clown makeup outside of the circus or <laughs> Halloween. Um what else we got?
0: Um if the world ends and continents start falling from the sky, you know, sometimes it burns up on Ranchery and we would advise you most of all to watch out for fireballs. <laughs> You can uh, sit. You can sit on one of the toilets in the adjacent stalls, and the per, and they'll do like the little squat animation, like the mm-hmm. "oh no, I'm on my knees dying" kind of thing, and then they'll get up. It's a fun little dirty, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, after Easter after way. all that, kind of use the, <laughs> you know, the first and only time they get to use the bathroom in the game. Can of witch poop and peace? Yeah. <laughs> um, it sounded like you said a can of witch poop and peace. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> my, my nose is <laughs> stuffed, Gary. Don't don't make no, fun I, of me. No, I know. <laughs>